Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Leslie and I are going to minister in Honduras for 10 days and thank you for your prayers, not only protection, but that God will be with us and use us in ministering to the people. So our absence is going to be your blessing. So over 20 years, we made 130 guest speakers in to make speaking tours for them. And they made 330 DVDs, most of which are available at WatchProphecyClub.com. So what we're going to do today is play about 30 minutes of one of those DVDs. And what we think are probably the top 10 or 11 DVDs that we've made. And so you're going to get a real treat. These are really good. And you can go and watch all of them at WatchProphecyClub.com. And I... Uh, think if you'll go and check there. We, we, here, here, let me just explain. So Prophecy Club started in 1993. 130 guest speakers, 330 recordings. You can watch them all at watchprophecyclub.com. We sponsored them on speaking tours anywhere from 10 to, at one time, we were having 40 meetings a month. Though no, I did run all of them. And uh, at one time, we had three different tours going with three different speakers. So we were... Uh, at one time, we had about 5,000 people typically every month attending our meetings. And in those days, this was before there were other large prophecy ministries. I think at the time we were the number two prophecy ministry in America, second only in those days to Jack Van Impey. Uh, what we've done is chosen 11, me and the staff, chosen 11 of what we think are the best recordings over the last 20 years. So we're going to be playing 30 minutes out of each one of those recordings. Most of them are two-and-a-half-hour recordings. Some of them are doubles, which would be five hours. Normally, we offered them for $30 per DVD. And yes, if you want to go to prophecyclub.com, you can still get the DVD. And we are offering uh, all 11 of these recordings on DVD for a gift of $100. You can get that at prophecyclub.com. Now let's talk about Watch Prophecy Club. So all of these are put up so you can watch them. And, by the way, we now have an app so you can watch them easily. You can go to Prophecy Club and you can watch the Prophecy Club. Or you can go to Watch Prophecy Club. You can go and watch all of these DVDs. Or you can download our app. And the way the app works is that you can be watching a DVD. And then if you get a phone call, it pauses it. When it's done, it starts playing again. So let's back up and talk about Watch Prophecy Club. It's $20 a month. There's no commitment. You can stop anytime you want to. Or $200 a year. But if you'll put in TPC 2023 right there, you'll get the first month free. Meaning you can watch all 11 of these for free as long as you did it the first month. And if you put in TPC 2023 Y, you get a one-year plan for $180, you get $20 off. That's a really good deal. <laughs> Never thought it would be such a good deal. Anyway, normally $30 each, but you can get all 11 of these recordings for a gift of $100. Prophecyclub.com for that. If you want to watch them instantly, you go to watchprophecyclub.com, or the best way is simply download our app. You just go to the App Store, and it's either Apple or Android, and you can download the app, and that is probably the easiest, fastest way, most convenient way to, to watch them. All right, now, let me explain about the meetings. Typically, we would have anywhere from about 100 
to the maximum we had at one meeting, which was Dimitri Dudeman. We had a thousand people at one of his meetings. And so we would have them in a television studio where we could make you nice recordings, nice professional recordings, at least professional compared to those days. Now, we do a much better job today. One of my favorites is James Wardner. He talked on the planned destruction of America. This is back in October 1994, but don't let that throw you. I think you will probably catch your mouth falling open as he's saying some of the things that are now happening. I think it's really good. James Warder explains the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, the Club of Rome, and the media. And the role in the shadow government, James also helps you to understand why government makes such destructive decisions. Now let's go watch James Wardner in Planned Destruction of America or go to WatchProphecyClub.com and watch all two and a half hours of it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. I want to thank Stan Johnson of the Prophecy Club and his wife, Leslie, for doing such a fine job telling people about our future, our future time and the time that we're living in now. As I was saying... Uh, earlier to you off the set, I wanted to explain that you can't understand the future if you don't understand the present time. Interestingly enough, though, St. John in his gospel tells us to repent because the day of the Lord is at hand, and that was 2,000 years ago. So when is the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is coming. One scripture verse for you before we begin. Tomorrow morning, if you read Proverbs, you'll find this. When just men increase, the people shall rejoice. When the wicked shall bear rule, the people shall mourn. Now, I'll be showing you a number of slides today, uh, overheads, and I want to have you understand that these are proof of what I'm saying. And the book, The Plan and Destruction of America, was written with so much documentation that it's absolutely irrefutable. I am not giving you my opinion. I am giving you the facts. I'm giving you the facts from congressional records, the facts from Senate reports, the facts from government documents, and I'm giving you the facts from the leaders of our country, from their own mouths, where we're going and why we're going there. The first overhead is an overhead which could be portrayed on any post office wall in America today. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Someone sent me this in the mail. I get stuff in the mail all the time. Isn't it interesting that today Jesus Christ could be wanted by the FBI for teaching the people that there is a higher power than Caesar? Isn't it interesting that today Jesus Christ could be wanted by the IRS for failure to report income? Isn't it interesting that today Jesus Christ could be wanted by the CIA for causing political arrest? Isn't it interesting that today Jesus could be wanted by the FDA for turning water into wine without a license? I'm only doing that to make the point that we have been uh, ruled lately, I say lately meaning contemporarily, by law. Everything is a law. You know it's a law that you have to wear your seatbelt. Did you ever stop and think when you were putting your seatbelt on why you should be prosecuted for an individual choice not to wear your seatbelt? I'm not saying 
that you're safer without the seatbelt. But I'm saying, is it, isn't it interesting that 250 million people without thought are wearing a seatbelt when some of you will remember that a few years ago, no one wore a seatbelt. I can remember an old car, a man and a woman going down the road, or even a young couple going down the road, and the man would have his wife around his girl. They were together, that was obvious, seemed okay to me. Never thought about the safety aspects of it. But by rule of law and by the signature of people in Congress, all of that changed. And now he sits over there and she sits over there. I'll leave you with that thought. It may not have any bearing on what we're talking about tonight, but I think later on you'll see that it does. Now this is a chart showing federal prosecutions of public corruption. It goes from 1973 to 1988. You don't need to see the numbers, really. You just need to notice that in 1973, which was not that long ago, we didn't have that much public corruption. In 1988, of course, we're inundated with public, public corruption. And in 1994, even though we're absolutely certain that our servants are corrupt, we can't get them out no matter what. Now, the question is, why? What has happened to America. We need to know our own time look into the future. Now this is a graph, two graphs as a matter of fact. Again, I am not going to get involved in numbers with you, but I want you to notice this curve. This is a picture on a graph of debt and how debt at interest moves along a curve. And you'll see it starts on the left going rather horizontally and over a period of time it goes straight up. Now, your savings at high interest do a similar thing, and that's good for you. But this is the way the American debt has been going. Now, on the right, you'll see the universal law of exponential debt growth. For my mathematician majors in here, you know that the exponential curve, which this is, ends up at the top of the vertical line as infinity. In other words, an infinite number. In other words, trillions and trillions of dollars. The common man has no understanding of a trillion dollars or a billion dollars or even a million dollars. All that to say that what this curve says is the debt can not be paid off. We hear a lot of people talking about debt today. George Bush has talked about debt. The Congress talks about debt. Bill Clinton has talked about debt. Ross Perot has talked about debt. Well, here's two pictures showing federal debt on the left, and on the right, total debt, federal plus private. You see, we have contributed to the problem because we have private debt. How many here have their own private debt aside from that which the government has? Whoa, there's a lot of hands going up there. Now, that's a problem. And the reason that it's a problem is because the private debt and the public debt grow together on an exponential curve. When you add our private debt into the, the debt of the government, which also is our debt because we're the taxpayers, you find out very quickly that there's no way on planet Earth that this money can ever be paid off. Now, we have some history behind us to show what happens in other countries 
when the debt is allowed to roll. And the curve on the, let tells us, on the left tells us that in France, there was a revolution. 1789 French Revolution. 50,000 people went to the guillotine. Now, there was a conspiracy involved in the French Revolution, but the fact of the matter is that prior to all that occurring, there was a debt blowout. In other words, the people had no money. Now, when people are starving, they get kind of violent. And that is a critical thing to understand because money affects us in a variety of ways. As the dollar becomes less valuable, and in 1914, let's just say the dollar was worth a dollar, which it wasn't, and in 1989, the dollar was worth approximately five cents of that dollar in purchasing power, what do you suppose the dollar is worth today in purchasing power? Now, we don't think about this, but some of the older folks in this room remember the old Sears and Roebuck catalog. And if you can find some of those and go back and see what things could be purchased for, you'll understand very quickly why both you, husband, and your wife have to work. And if both you and your wife have to work, and you have young children in your family, might I add, I believe you're out of the will of God. Because I personally believe that God wants the wife in the home with her young children. Now, I already see head shaking, and that's okay. And later on, I'm going to explain a little bit more about why I've come to understand that that is true. But the point is that with two people in the home working, children, very, very small children, don't get the attention that they deserve. And if you have your kids at daycare all the time, they're getting diseases that are at daycare all the time. If you bring them home out of daycare and they watch TV, they're getting TV all the time. And then if you put them in elementary school, in a public school, they're getting elementary public school education, and they're out of your supervision. And then you bring them and let them watch TV at home, and they're getting TV at home. And then you put them in middle school, and they're getting public school middle education, which we're going to talk about later. And you bring them home, and they're getting TV at home again. It is an absolute sin for Christians to be watching TV the way they are today, at this particular time in history. And later on, you're going to see and understand why. The annual interest on the federal debt accrues as well as the principal. So you have principal exponentially growing, you have interest exponentially growing, you have federal government debt growing, you have private debt growing. Now let me tell you a deep kept secret of the Federal Reserve Bank. When they made the principal, for the debt. When you buy a car, you pay $5,000 for the car. Actually, it's more like $25,000, is not it? And you say to the bank, I'll pay you back 9% over five years. So you have to pay back the money plus the interest. The Federal Reserve Bank, when they made the principal that they loaned to the government, they never made the interest. The interest was never created, and it was never put into the money pool of the United States of America. Now, what does that mean? It means that if all of us tried to get out of debt at, the one, time, at one time, it's an absolute impossibility. To make a long story short, it can't be done 
and it will not be done, and it doesn't matter whether a Republican's talking about it or an Independent's talking about it or a Democrat is talking about it. It doesn't matter if Alan Greenspan is talking about it or George Bush or Bill Clinton or Ross Perot or anybody else. It cannot ever be paid off, nor was it intended to be. And that's the interesting aspect of this. Some senators were on TV the other day, and they were saying that the problem with Washington is there's this culture. It's a spending culture. And all they want to do is spend with no thought to the money that they're spending or what they're spending it on. Well, later on, you're going to understand, maybe for the first time, why that spending culture exists. Now, this is a previous Federal Reserve Chairman, Paul Volcker. And Paul Volcker one time said, quote, one of my old friends from abroad once told me, I think he meant it as an ironic compliment, that he thought of my career as a long saga of trying to make the decline of the United States and the world respectable and orderly. Now, isn't it interesting that the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank is all about making the decline of the United States respectable and orderly? Now, this is a little chart from a book called Secrets of the Federal Reserve. And you will not be able to see it well from where you're sitting. And we don't need to really get into the details of this chart, but I'll just tell you it's kind of like a genealogy. You had a mom and dad, they had a mom and dad, they had a mom and dad, and so on and so forth. Of course, that's now out of style. But this is a genealogy of the owners, the families who own the Federal Reserve Bank. How many people in here knew that the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States of America is a private bank? Very good. Lots of hands. And all of the banks of the world are private banks. They're private centralized banks. Whenever the media refers to a central bank of a country, they're talking about a private bank. Now you understand how a world bank becomes understandable because we're not talking about getting nations to agree on anything. We're talking about getting a few families to agree on some things. And basically what we have here is a genealogy of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and the Federal Reserve Banks that uh, are under the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And you'll see National City Bank, National Bank of Commerce, Hanover National Bank, and Chase National Bank. All of those, obviously, are privately owned as well. Well hidden secret since 1913. December 23, 1913, this was passed. We can't blame our present Congress on this. This was done years ago. The bank is not federal. It is not a reserve. Now, let's go on. How does the bank make the money that it lends to America? This is a little chart showing how money is created. And it starts with Congress. We said that Congress has a spending culture. They raise the debt limit. And they always raise it. Always. You can count on it. They'll raise it. Congress votes to increase the federal debt limit. Let's just say a billion. It doesn't matter what it is. And it instructs the U.S. Treasury to write interest-bearing bonds for a billion. And then the Treasury goes to the Fed and says, we need a billion. And we have the bonds, which are held against the American taxpayers, who will pay it back. You can trust us. We're the government. 
but the American people are going to pay it back. Well, where does the Fed get the money that it loans the Treasury, and which is now trillions of dollars, which we are all going to pay back? Our children are going to pay back. And I just told you, you're not going to pay it back because it's an impossible task to pay it back. Obviously, the money comes out of thin air. It's made by computer entry. There's no gold to back it. There's no silver to back it. There's no industry to back it. There's no land to back it. It's made by computer entry. If you have a private computer, you can go home, plug a bunch of numbers into that computer, and make the same kind of money that the Federal Reserve Bank of this nation makes. And our people, our family, the wives that are working out of the home, are doing that because they can't afford to pay for things around the house and because the value of the dollar today is so low that a one a family, one working person family can't afford to feed his, his home, his wife and kids. Now, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, but, but the groceries are going up constantly. Cars are going up constantly. But you know what? There's no inflation. There's no inflation. They keep telling us there's no inflation. But if you monitored goods for about six months in this country, the goods that you often buy, you'll find that true interest rate, true uh, inflation is approximately 15 to 20%. You don't think the government would lie to you, though, do you? <clears throat> now, I have a, someone gave me this. This is a letter from Dean Whitter. And Executive Vice President, Chief Investment Officer said, politicians do not cause recessions. Rather, recessions are usually the unavoidable residue of a free enterprise, capitalistic, market-driven system. Recessions are the necessary cost of unmanaged growth and unparalleled affluence. Who in here feels like they have unparalleled affluence? Now, is this man deceived? Does he not know, or does he know, and is he lying? Well, see, I don't really know if he's lying because I don't know him, and I know he's not going to call me and tell me that he really was deceived. But the point is that many of us are calling somebody on the line, I am not, and saying, uh, what's that selling for today? I'll, I'll, I'll buy a few shares of this, or I'll buy a few shares of that, never knowing that the whole entire market is manipulated by the private Federal Reserve Bank by virtue of the fact that they know whether interest rates are going to go up or down before anything even happens on Wall Street, they are able to manipulate the entire market. Now, this, uh, just pull that down a little bit if you would so I can see the top better. This is a very, very interesting picture and it's very important that you understand what's going on here. So I'll try to take some time and explain it. But there's a small box at the top left, and then another box under that, and then a whole series of boxes under that. The top box says, David Rockefeller, chairman of the board, Chase Manhattan. Under that, the little box says, Chase Manhattan Corporation, officer and director, Interlocked. Now, what that means is that David Rockefeller, as chairman of the board of Chase Manhattan, has a board of men. And these men, there may be some women on the board now, but as far as I know, it's all men. These, board, these uh, members of the board 
however many there are, interlock with all of these other companies, most of them multinational global corporations. There may be one member of his board on one of these other companies, or there may be two, or maybe even more. Now, what's really interesting is to see the names of these companies. How about Firestone? How about Allied Chemical, General Motors, Chrysler Corporation, R.H. Macy, Squibb, Olin, Hewlett-Packard, American Express, AT&T. Do you know that many of these corporations have more of a gross national product than nations? They control and manipulate more funds through their company than many nations of the world. Now, what does that mean? That means, backing up again, that David Rockefeller, by virtue of his control of the board, his own board, and the interlock that he has with all these other corporations, can literally control the finances, the job markets, and the technology of any nation on this earth. And that is staggering power. Because when you control where the jobs go in the world, when you control how quickly the money comes into and out of and through a country, when you control whether a people has jobs or not, that is power. You know Bill Clinton doesn't have that kind of power. Now, in 1912, President Wilson set up a commission. It was called the Peugeot Commission. And interestingly enough, in 1912, the commission studied, is there a money trust in America? Now, what is a money trust? What the Congress was trying to find out in 1912 was, is there a private consortium of money managers who control the finances of America? Hello? 1912. Well, in 1913, March, as a matter of fact, the Congress said, yes, the money trust is in existence. And it named these five directing forces, J.P. Morgan, the National City Bank of New York, Lee Higginson and Company, Hitter Peabody, which was just sold, and Kuhn Loeb. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, private banking went on. I know that. Well, you're right, it did. But any deal over $10 million was done by these folks. And all the deals less than that were done by someone else. And of course, as you're probably well aware today, the banks, like the oil industries and everything else in America, has been consolidated and bought and sold and brought under a smaller and smaller and smaller reign of power. Now, this is a picture which simply shows that you can't blame the Democrats if you're a conservative Republican because Ronald Reagan and George Bush spent not only with the best of them, but beyond just about all of them. And of course, Democrat Clinton is only continuing what was started by his two predecessors, George Bush and Ronald Reagan. Now, you all aren't the first to know about this. 
At the time NAFTA was being sold to the American people, pictures like this could have been taken all over the country. Now this picture is not going to show up in your media, and I'm going to tell you later why. But the fact is that these people were standing outside the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, and they had signs saying, stop NAFTA's secret accords, stop Federal Reserve treason, and so forth. NAFTA was done in complete secrecy. We don't even know who put the bill together. But we do know it was done secretly. And any time you hear fast-track legislation, what you need to know is those bills are going through in secret because you're not to know what's going on. This man obviously knew that the Federal Reserve was a treasonous organization. And he obviously knew that NAFTA was a bad deal for America. I'm sure everyone walking down the street by him was looking at him saying, look at that nut. But the fact is, the man is probably a very wise man, and he's not a nut at all. He just happens to know what's going on. And after tonight, you will also. Now, we were told that Mexico thought this was going to be a good deal for them. Guess what? You didn't see this picture in our American newspaper. Why? Well, because it showed a little different side of the deal. And the side of the deal that it showed was, these are all tractors, all lined up, one after another, by Mexican farmers who had driven into the major metropolitan areas of Mexico. Why? To put signs up saying, no more banking usury. Do you know the Old Testament condemns usury? Not once, but many times. Where are the pastors of this country talking about usury when it's destroying the families of America? You're not going to hear it. Are they reading a different Bible? Are they not in tune with the American people? Are, do they not understand the seriousness of what, how people are struggling with, with just making it financially in the world today? Well, anyway, these farmers knew what was going on, and they came into the major metropolitan areas of Mexico to tell others, we don't want NAFTA. Here's another picture showing basically the same thing. Look at all of the people. And what they were saying was, we don't want NAFTA. Now, why did they not want NAFTA? Do they not want our American dollars? Do they not want our help? These simple farmers in Mexico know more about capitalism than we do because they understood that what we were going to do was capitalize Mexico with the dollar. In other words, we were going to dollarize the economy of Mexico. In other words, their peso would be worth nothing, and we would dollarize it and make it part of our economic community. Not only that, but when their farms were lowered in value, they would be purchased from these people for pennies on the dollar. And then these Mexican farmers would no longer be able to go grow crops for the Mexican people, and what you would have in Mexico would be national genocide. Today, we live in unsettling times. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do when food is no longer on the shelves? I'm Leslie, owner and founder of Joseph's Kitchen, and I want to show you how to make healthy, homemade, whole wheat bread for only a few hundred dollars a year. At Joseph's Kitchen, our ingredients have been packaged for immediate use or long-term storage. Go to josephskitchen.com or call the number on your screen to order today. Don't get caught unprepared. Go to josephskitchen.com now.